Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason, welcome back to the Duocast. Thanks for having me back, Brian. Yeah, so what did you think of the Andrew Cohn episode? I really liked it, and uh, what I liked about it was... Um, there was a, a part in the interview where you talked about one of the documentaries that he did for the small town. I can, Medora? Yeah, yeah, and kind of the hoop dream story. And I think what's cool about Andrew's story is that he had his own sort of hoop dreams moment when he decided to email his script to Alexander Payne's assistant. Just kind of threw caution to the wind thinking, eh, whatever. And then months later, actually got a call back from Alexander Payne to direct that film. I think that that is awesome. The scene he painted, getting that call, and and for listeners who don't know who Alexander Payne is, I mean, he's one of my film heroes. He is, his filmography about Schmidt, uh, The Descendants with George Clooney, Mm -hmm. Election. I think some of the producers on Andrew's film, The Last Shift, also were involved in Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. But Alexander Payne is one of the premier I would say, quote unquote, independent filmmakers out there, even though probably wouldn't consider him indie, given all of the talent that he's able to attract. But it's, it's that vibe of film that he creates, which makes it, even if it's a studio production, it feels very indie. Yeah. And number one, to submit a script unsolicited to Alexander Payne takes some, some guts to do. Sure does. And Andrew did this. He somehow found his email address and sends this script, The Last Shift, to Alexander Payne. And then Andrew is on a hike and gets a call from Alexander from an unknown number, answers it, and his whole life changes at that point. Exactly. I love moments like that. Yes. Yeah. That's so great to hear that this actually happens because that's something you would almost expect to see happen in a screenplay itself. That's how you would script this thing happening. Right is that he, he writes this script, it's his first narrative feature, meaning non-documentary and you know, a, a fiction film, and he just goes for it. He, he takes that three-point shot or that shot from across the court, right. the Hail Mary pass if this was football, and gets that call three to four months later, and look what happened. He's working with Richard Jenkins, yep. with Shane Paul McGee, with Ed O'Neill, and he's put together this film that I, Jason, I know you haven't seen it yet, but it, because it's out in theaters, uh, you won't be able to see yeah. it. And we don't have theaters here in Yakima anymore. Yeah, so, no. but it is a very special film and I highly recommend that you see it. It'll probably be out on streaming and video on demand. I would imagine by the beginning of 2021. Cool. Yeah. But I'm with you on that story. It was, it was exciting to hear and it was inspiring. Yeah. Well, it would, you know, it'd be the equivalent to me of uh, putting together some music tracks, songs, and uh, sending them off to like a producer like Rick Rubin or somebody just on a whim. Exactly. And not even thinking about it and thinking, well, he's never going to, he's never going to like this stuff. This is all just, he's got other things to do. And then get a phone call from him wanting to d- produce the, the album. And it would be, you know, mind blowing, change your life. Alexander Payne definitely is the Rick Rubin of yeah. the film world. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that gravitas in the film world. Mm-hmm. What I liked about Andrew Cohn was that he was so confident and he approached filmmaking without an agenda. So all of his documentaries that he's done, Medora, 
Warriors of Liberty City and the other documentaries he's shot, he doesn't go in with a plan to prove something, right? to establish some point, some social, cultural point that he wants to make. I think what Andrew's really looking for is finding the humanity in places that maybe people don't go very often. Right. And allowing that humanity to unfold through these characters. And then there's a story that emerges. And then you accept that story and you put it on the screen. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It is. It happened with Medora. It happened with Warriors of Liberty City out of Miami. And I did finish it, by the way. When I was talking to Andrew, I told him I was four episodes in on a six-episode series. I ended up finishing that series. And it's just very special, heartwarming, sad, heavy series. And that, that's what's so great about Andrew's work is there's this combination of heartbreak and hope. Right. And isn't that what life really is all about? It is. I mean, every day we have hope for our future, for our kids. I do. For ourselves. But every day we experience some type of heartbreak. Yep. Especially today, you know, where yes. our culture is so divided politically mm. and socially, and there's so much injustice in the world, in yeah. this country. But um, to, to go in and expose these heartbreaks and emphasize the hope and the joy and the triumph that folks experience in communities that most Americans don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. That's what's, what he's so great at. And then Andrew took that skill set and he applied it to the last shift. So you have this, these characters that are, are sympathetic and they're funny in some ways, but they're also kind of annoying too. <laughs> and and, and you're, you're rooting for them, but you're also angry at the decisions that they're making and you're frustrated that the, it's not going a different way. And then the ending is very human. It's, it's not Hollywood. Yeah, there's not always a happy ending to, to things. We know people that are like that. And yeah. We're like that ourselves in some ways, you know? Right. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed talking to Andrew. And um, I hope to follow his film career and maybe check back in with him after his next film. He's working on something that he didn't want to tell us about. That's right. So uh, we'll see what that is, hopefully, in the next six months to a year. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been watching this television series on Hulu called Pen 15. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. I first heard about it when I was listening to an interview on Mark Marin's WTF, and it was with the creators, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, of this show called Pen 15 hmm. on Hulu. And it was so bizarre the way they described it. I was like, I don't even know if I would want to watch the first episode of that. It sounds weird. Mm -hmm. But what it is, is Maya and Anna play 13-year-old junior high school students. And they're adults. Oh, wow. So they're probably, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, maybe. It's, it's hard to get a grasp of how old they are when you're looking at them in the series because they really blend in so well to the actual 13-year-olds who were cast as their classmates. Crazy. But they are experiencing on screen their junior high experiences. Mm -hmm. So they're in, they're in school with their friends at the cafeteria talking about what 13-year-olds talk about. Oh. And <laughs> it's awkward, mm -hmm. to say the least. We're talking about romance. We're talking about you yeah. know puberty issues. Crushes. Yeah, crushes and friendships and the unique features of friendships at that age and how you're you're sort of transitioning into becoming an adult. 
And these actresses are and, and writers are just amazing. And I, I don't use that word lightly because I think amazing is too frequently used yeah. as a filler word. But these actresses, Maya Erskine and, and Anna Conkle, they've created something really special from the standpoint that one, they're great actresses. Mm-hmm. Number two, their writing is not just great writing in that it captures the ethos and vibe of seventh grade. Right. But they're able to, without trying to be ridiculous, they're blending in to these kids that are not their age and they're acting their age. They're acting 13, but they're bringing the audience back to these very visceral experiences. Um, Your first kiss, right? Which is almost never romantic. (laughs) And it's usually pretty awful or awkward. Yeah. Or awkward. Right. Yep, Yep. And I'm I'm only like nine episodes into the first season, and there's already a second season up. So I'm really excited to see the second season. Right. I'm super bummed though because I think they were about to film their third season when COVID hit. Oh yeah. Bummer. And I think what's going to happen with this series is that these kids that play their classmates, they're getting older. Right. So it's going to be very difficult to start up like a year from now mm-hmm. and have this show be the same show. Right. So, but it, what it has is Pen15 is like, have you ever seen Freaks and Geeks? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you like Freaks and Geeks? I did. I Freaks did. and Geeks was one of those shows for me that it, there seems to be like these special period pieces that come around every once in a while that really are amazing. But for some reason, something happens and they get canceled. Right. And I think that happened with Freaks and Geeks, like one or two seasons in, it was like done. Right. It was. And Pen15 has that vibe of like a period piece it's set in the year 2000 which doesn't seem that long ago but when you actually look back at what was happening in 2000 in terms of like technology and really kids didn't have cell phones back then not yet no the television shows that were on at that time or the music that was playing at that time and and the and the fashion and what was happening in in schools at that time when you watch this show it really brings you back to your own childhood <laughs> In a really good way, but also an awkward way. And some of the scenes are, are really hard to watch. Really? Yeah. But I highly recommend this show. And I, I don't do that often with television. It's more in the film world that I'm like really excited about something. But Pen15 is something really special. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. And watch it with Odessa. I think she would get a huge kick out of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'll, I'll bet your daughters would like it too. I bet they would. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were texting and, and I revealed something to you in a text that I hadn't told you before that was going to be happening in 2021 for me. It's one of my goals. And you at the same time revealed that you have a project that you're going to be working on in 2021. And so yes, I wanted to talk about that briefly. In my text to you, I told you that I've been thinking about my year. I've been looking back on 2020 and actually looking back on the last few years and deciding where I want to go in a, in a sort of vision board way, because mm-hmm. I believe in vision boards. And okay. vision boards for me are, uh, they don't have to be physical boards that you write out like a poster board mm-hmm. or a bulletin board or whatever you want to call it, but they're ideas about what you would like to see happen in your future right. that you put out there in a concrete way somehow. And one of the ways that I do that is I talk about it with people. Okay. So when I started the podcast, or when I thought about starting the podcast, the first thing I did was I started talking about it with friends and family. Right. And once you start talking about it, it becomes a little more real at that point. And they're like, really? 
you're going to start a podcast? Mm -hmm. What's the name of the podcast? I don't know. What's it going to be about? I don't know. (laughs) But it's those types of questions that are difficult, right? right? They, Mm -hmm. They put you in a position where you actually have to start thinking about it. And once you start thinking about the answers to those important questions, it starts to come together and crystallize. Right. So it's not just an abstract idea. It becomes a little more real that way. Mm-hmm. And so I told you that I'm going to shift my focus in 2021 back to screenplay writing. Yeah, you, you did tell me that, yeah. Or screenwriting, as they say. And I am really feeling good about that decision because I have multiple screenplays that I've started but haven't finished over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling like after talking to all of these creatives over the last year and a half, coming up on two years in, in March of 2021, in the podcast, I feel like I am inspired and also armed with a lot of great wisdom and information mm-hmm. about how to approach creativity and how to approach the work ethic of writing something like a screenplay and finishing it. And also how to make connections with folks once that is done and possibly take it to the next step, maybe direct that film or right. get involved in some way in the making of that, that movie. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just really excited about it. I wanted to share it with you, not just in a text message, but in this format of a duo cast and also share it with my listeners that that's where I'm going to be putting my focus uh, next year. It doesn't mean I'm going to be leaving the podcast or slowing down with the podcast, but I do hope to be a little more efficient with my time at, yeah. at work and my day job and also the podcast so that I can dedicate some meaningful focused hours on this new project, which is screenwriting. Well, you, you definitely have some information that you didn't have when you uh, started the podcast and in relation to screenwriting, directing, you've got some connections there, some people you can talk to. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just the connections either. It's, it's like you talk to someone like Andrew Cohn, who mm-hmm. wrote The Last Shift, narrative feature, or you talk to someone like Bob Sines, who wrote a book on screenwriting called That's Not the Way It Works. Right. Or you talk to Audrey Sirawat, a production designer at Sundance, or Nick Basta, an actor mm-hmm. at Sundance, and, and you start to realize, and also he is writing a screenplay at the moment, or he has one done on Yogi Berra. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. So you talk to Nick Basta, and he is a screenwriter as well. He's an actor, he's a working actor, but he has a screenplay on Yogi Berra that he's trying to get made. So the more folks that you talk to, the more you realize this is possible. Mm-hmm. This can be done. It just takes hard work and it takes dedication and also a vision that you execute on. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited about. I wanted to share that with you, Jason, in, in a vision board sort of way. Yeah. Because you're my friend, you're my family, you're my colleague on this, this podcast. And I, um, I know how much it means to you to have creativity in your life be a driving force in, in what you do and pay attention to every day. Yeah. So tell me about your project. What are you going to focus on in 2021? You know, I got thinking about that. It's a little early yet, but I've recently been inspired by getting back into music. I kind of let it go for a while. I spent um, for about for about a seven year period of time, starting in like 2011, I was on the road with a blues band uh, playing around the Northwest, like pretty much nonstop. And so I kind of set aside my my own creative projects to kind of focus on that and hone my skills and learn how to play blues, you know? So just recently I got back into kind of working with recording and, you know, was inspired by the positive grid spark amp, oh, you know, really? to uh, positive grid. Yeah. It works really great as a, as, as a recording interface and goes directly in USB. 
and very easy to record and sounds wonderful. So I started messing with uh, a couple of old programs that I used to use to generate digital music. So I've got this idea now. I've got a, a way to generate MIDI files and compose them in a program called Muse Score. And it makes random, random music out of computer language, basically. And then I'm able to put a beat to it, create a melody from it, put guitar under it. And I'm kind of inspired to get this thing going. It's, it actually sounds really interesting. Dude, I want you to, I want you to send, send me an example of that as soon as you can. Okay. I want to hear it. Yeah, I will. I'll send it when I get home. Yeah. It's, it's just something that I hope this year I can actually kind of create more than just a couple of songs and maybe put like an album together of some sort. Nice. So what's your band name? Um, it's a little early. I kind of went with, um, I was thinking about it and I kind of came up with code of creation. Okay. But so like computer code. Yeah. 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 Nice. And it's kind of fractal based. So I don't know if you remember, remember me posting on Instagram. I remember those fractal jazz. I remember that. Yeah. It's kind of along that line. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm hoping to at least get started soon. And I don't know about finishing it in 2021, but yeah, that's a problem with me is I need the inspiration and the drive to finish. Right. I always start a project and hardly ever finish them. So starting is, is easy. Finishing is, is where it's at. Yeah. That's where the struggle is. Yeah, same thing with me and my screenplays. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to to seeing what you're going to do with this. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's interesting how we and you're you're talking about these seven years of a time frame where you're you're in a creative endeavor, but it's not really for you, right? And I think that's where a lot of us are. We may be doing something creative, or maybe not, but it's certainly whatever we're doing is not for us, right? So it's nice to be able to at some point shift inward a little bit, right, and do something that's just purely out of our drive to create and it can be just for us or it can be for an audience right yeah so what do we have coming up next uh, we have an interview with hugo moro ah the artist yes yeah i love talking to artists yeah me too they're so just eccentric uh-huh you know that you don't ever talk to an artist who's you know the, the three-piece suit and the briefcase and <laughs> <laughs> nope they're they're usually living in a loft apartment somewhere very bohemian. Very bohemian. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're all different, though, in certain ways and, and unique. And Hugo Moro certainly has his own flair and approach to art that uh, started in his uh, home country of Cuba. In terms of where Hugo's influences came from at an early stage of his life and with his family, and then he emigrated to um, New York City, grew up in the heart of New York City, mm -hmm. and then moved to Miami. And then ended up in the Pacific Northwest. And he has a pretty interesting perspective on creativity, how to get into a creative space, whether you need art school or not, mm -hmm. and what the side hustles are for artists. Right. Like how to make a living when art is not paying the bills. Oh, yeah. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. So he's got some helpful tips and he's a fun guy to talk to. He's doing some interesting stuff in Seattle in terms of installation art and uh, looking forward to hearing that episode. Me too. Jason, it's good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you, Brian. Hey, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path. 